0: What is good everybody welcome to another gold diggers podcast on the niners nation podcast network i'm rob stats guerrera my partner on this friday as always from nfl.com and the ball blast football podcast michelle Majuk, what's up michelle
1: hey hey i am sitting here still stuffed from thanksgiving yesterday well done. i had so much mac and cheese And what's sad is that all I can think about is having more mac and cheese (laughs) after this podcast. Uh, We have leftovers, and I think I have a problem, but my wife makes the best mac and cheese in the entire world, but she only makes it on big occasions.
0: Uh, See, that's smart. That's genius by Kate, right? It's like Girl Scout cookies. If they're available all the time, then you're not as crazy for them. But the fact that you can only get them once a year, you're like, I got to have the tag along.
1: It's nice and spicy. And you know what it has on top?
0: Little you, crumblies you,
1: Well, it's frosted flakes. Frosted flakes on top. And then you put it into the oven so it gets nice and like the right texture. It's so so it's sweet and spicy. It is so freaking good.
0: I got, I'm not gonna lie, that sounds pretty damn good.
1: It's I, amazing.
0: Oh, that's very good. My in-laws are actually on their way over now. We're gonna do Thanksgiving again because we do my in-laws the day after Thanksgiving. So I'm gonna we're loading up again. It's <laughs> oh all starting God. over.
1: That's a lot to do twice in a row.
0: Yeah, I'm up for the challenge. I'm I'm game. I got so you, you know. guys have
1: to cook double the like so, twice?
0: No, the way we do it is we make the sides and then my in-laws bring the turkey. So it's actually it's not that much work because it's just like, oh, you know, Brussels sprouts, green beans, mashed. And potatoes. it's probably your whatever. wife
1: doing it. So you're like, Oh yeah, it's not much work.
0: Yeah, I I do all the dishes <laughs> and I watch the kids.
1: She could she would probably murder you right now if you're like, Yeah, it's not much work at all.
0: No way. She's on board uh-huh. with the plan. So uh-huh. how dare uh-huh. you? How dare you try and divide the Guerrero house? It's Guerrera like household. so easy. It's like
1: so easy. Is the I wash the dishes nothing. and watch
0: the kids.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Hey, uh-huh. when you have kids of your own, Are your then kids come like, at me.
1: Isn't your boy old now? Like, oh, I have to play video games with my son. It's so hard. <laughs> He's
0: eight and my daughter will be three in March.
1: Three is a hard age, but it's just funny. Like Your son is pretty easy, I'm guessing.
0: Yeah. So nonetheless, sometimes he fights with his sister. Hey, how dare you? We have a perfect division of labor that everyone is happy with. Uh Let's not, let's not Uh do anything to shake that up. Let's talk about, I don't know, football, perhaps the 49ers. Can we get there? Or do you want to critique my uh, domestic bliss?
1: Nope. I want to get to the 49ers had a great game, had a great game in week 11. It's what we needed to see a smackdown. I thought I was going to have to come on this podcast this week and, Hate on Kyle Shanahan again because the first (laughs) quarter I was, like, losing my mind. But they put it all together, and they looked fantastic all around. All around great game.
0: Yeah, I don't have a single complaint, really. I mean, everybody did their job fantastically. It was a beatdown. It was exactly how we expected the 49ers to play against an inferior team. And they should be able to do maybe not quite as well this week, Michelle, because I think the Saints have a better defense than the Cardinals. But they should be able... I don't know. Well, you tell me. I mean, I, I know no. the Cardinals scoring-wise was pretty crappy. The Saints are getting a bunch of people back from injury, which I think will help.
1: No, the, are they- the Saints aren't a good defense. They're allowing the eighth most points per game in the league. They stink. They, their whole <laughs> team stinks, and especially you take them out of their dome and they just fall apart. Like, they're such a bad road team. I feel like they've been a bad road team for a long time now. Even with Drew Brees, you knew he was going to destroy you in the dome, but put him out – Died, and all of a sudden it wasn't the same. And Andy Dalton, five pass touchdowns, five interceptions on the road this year. Is this true? There's only oh, he's only played two games, but he's thrown five interceptions in two road games. I don't know how they've only had two road games with Dalton so far, but it it hasn't been pretty for him outside of the dome. And it's Andy Dalton. Like, come on, this defense should just demolish the Saints' offense.
0: Right. Even Andy Dalton at the peak of his powers with Cincinnati, they should demolish. Now this is broke-ass Andy Dalton. They should destroy him. They they clearly should. There's no Sean Payton in New Orleans. I, I said all year that the Saints were trying to make a Big Mac without the special sauce because they were trying to keep everything the same except for Sean Payton. But if you have a Big Mac with no special sauce, you just have a hamburger. Like, that's it. That's what the Saints are trying to do. I don't know why anybody thought it was going to work. And I want to see the 49ers have another dominant performance. And the only thing I'm worried about, Michelle, is this has got trap game written all over it because who comes after the Saints, the Miami Dolphins. And you know, all the crap that's going on with that game. Mike McDaniel, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, Wes Welker. There's all these 49er tentacles there. And everybody's going to be all hyped up and focused on that. And they're going to overlook the Saints. That's the only thing I'm worried about.
1: I don't think so. And why I don't think so is because, A, this is a home game. And then also the Miami game is a home game. Like, you have time to prep. You could just chill out a little bit. And it's still the Dolphins. They don't have a big enough name yet where you're like, ooh, the Chiefs are on our schedule. You know, it's it's not like that. it's just not at that peak yet. I still think it's the Dolphins. Yes, they will be hyper-focused on all of the fun storylines next week, but I I don't think they're there yet. I I think they're a well-coached enough team and have strong enough minds to not worry about that next week. Focus on this game. It's home. It's not in New Orleans. I think it'll be okay. I really do think they will destroy this team. I think they will cover. They've actually covered the spread in 10 of their last 12 games against the NFC. So Hmm. they've been taking care of business against the NFC. I feel good about this game.
0: I didn't think I was so confident last week that the 49ers were not going to cover the spread. And I was dead ass wrong. They have not beaten the Cardinals like that by that many points in a long time. The spread for the new Orleans game is still at nine and a half. Yeah. That's a lot. That seems like a lot of points to me.
1: It is, but it's the same. I do think the saints are maybe one of the worst teams in the NFL. Like, They're insanely bad. And their coach, Dennis (laughs) Allen, I don't think makes it past this year. They lose by a lot of points very often. They've been
0: outscored by 18 points so far this year. One in three on the road. I don't know if you already mentioned that already. They lost by 10
1: points to the Steelers. If the Steelers can beat the Saints (laughs) by 10 points, the 49ers should be able to beat the Saints by 10 points. And that was with the Steelers only putting up 20 points.
0: True. True. In fact, yeah, they've only scored. They scored 24 against the Raiders. They shut out the Raiders, which is just tells you how bad the Raiders have been. They That's gave the 40- only thing
1: helping their point differential right now is that 24 to That's zero true. win. And
0: yeah. the
1: Raiders are just as equally as terrible as the Saints. So, well, apparently even worse. And that was home. I'm not. If this was a home game for the Saints, I'd be a little bit more worried because randomly at home, their defense will decide to have just a monster game. Like you never know when it's going to happen they do have good enough pieces on defense when they're healthy to have a monster game but out take them out of their dome they don't know how to act they just don't <laughs> they're not even a football team out of their dome i'm not worried about this game in the slightest which probably means it's going to go bad
0: well let's get to some stuff with the 49ers offense i know you kind of wanted to not call me out a little bit but you you generally hold my feet to the fire and one of the things that i have said is that Kyle Shanahan, I think, is if, if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't turn the ball over, Kyle Shanahan's going to get this team into the red zone pretty much every time. You went into the lab and pulled out some numbers. Was I wrong about that?
1: Well, yeah. I was trying to look for any span of time where the 49ers were a top team, even like top five, top eight in red zone drives over the season. Now, if you do weeks five through 11, they do make it into the top five but it's because that Panthers game, they had so many red zone drives that it pushes them over any other span of time. They're not really there weeks nine through 11. So their last three games, only seven red zone drives tied for 17th in the NFL. Now you did mention they have a lot of long touchdowns during that time. So that could kind of change things up, but it's only seven. That's pretty low. When you're looking at the top there, it's the bills and the chiefs with 13, almost double the red zone drives, the dolphins with 11. Uh, so, I'm not I'm not pointing this out for any reason. Just I wanted to fact check your work because you brought up on the podcast yesterday. You felt like they could get to the red zone on any single drive. Mm -hmm. And that's not really the case.
0: Well, good. Thank you. I'm glad you did. Uh, I was clearly going off more just emotion there than actual facts. I appreciate that. Like I said, the Niners did have multiple. Long touchdowns. The Debo Samuel run was 39 yards. Both of Kittle's touchdowns were over 39 yards. I mean, the Cardinals didn't even attempt to tackle George Kittle on his second touchdown last week. It was pathetic, which was no, and that
1: definitely messes with it for sure. So I'll I'll give you, I'll give you that. And I think the 49ers offense looks good right now. At least they did against the Cardinals. They are an absolutely terrible defense. So let's (laughs) see what they can do, but. We're not going to find out anything in this game either. Like if they struggle against the saints, that's going to be an absolutely terrible thing to see because the saints are such a bad defense.
0: Right. We we like to think that like, okay, they figured something out. They've integrated Christian McCaffrey and now we're going to roll and they look fantastic against Arizona, but we see, we need to see it again. It's a bad defense. You're going up against a bad team. You're at home. What's nice is you get a
1: lot of bad defenses. I mean, the Dolphins have a great offense, but they have one of the worst defenses as well. I I get, I think Tampa Bay will be a good measuring stick for them. They're not the hardest defense in the world, but they're definitely better. They're, they're above average. So that will be a nice game to see where it's at. And then you get the commanders and their defense is really stepped up. As of late, but so many easy defenses on the schedule, they should be just killing teams because then you get the Raiders and the Cardinals to end out the season. That's this team should easily, easily get to the playoffs and then we'll go from there.
0: I think I saw a stat that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to face like one of the top five worst remaining passing defenses if you look at the entire rest of the schedule. So like you said, it's set up for them to have success, but I do hope that they Continue what they did in this one against Arizona, and that is pass to set up the run. They tried to come out and run the ball, and it didn't work. And Kyle Shanahan switched it up. 14 of their last 15 plays in the first half against Arizona were passes. Lean into it, man. You've got the people there. You've got McCaffrey. You've got Debo. All these people pass first, and then you can come at them with the run later. I think that's the formula for them.
1: Yeah. And one thing I wanted to point out was Devo Samuel's usage. It's I I'm just surprised what, by the way, he's being used this year after his success he had last season, his average depth route, uh, route depth is 7.7 yards, which is Lower than George Kittles. Kittle is at 8.8. I thought that was surprising Mm. with Kittle being the tight end and Debo, a wide receiver. But only Greg Dortch of the Cardinals has a shorter average route draft than Debo this season among wide receivers. And Dortch and Debo are the only two wide receivers under 8.3 yards. Wow. So. They're like much lower than the rest of the wide receivers in the NFL. And Devo was at 10.2 yards. So we're looking at a difference of 2.5 yards per route run this year. It's just way too short for a guy like Devo for how talented he is. And you would think with Christian McCaffrey there now, you don't need two guys running such short routes. Like, why do you need them both like that? They're kind of the same type of player after the catch. Christian McCaffrey is a fantastic receiver. I just don't think there's any reason for Debo to continue running such short routes. Last week, he was at 7.6 yards average. That's just way too low. When you have Christian McCaffrey in that same type of role, get him down the field more.
0: That is interesting. Cause you would think that you would want to run Debo deeper and a bunch of the guys deeper so that it does create open space for Christian McCaffrey underneath. Although I will say, they have no problem getting McCaffrey the ball. Like he's been killing it, especially as a receiver. He has 24 first downs in all since he's joined the 49ers, 13 receiving, 11 rushing in just four games. I love the way they're using McCaffrey. I like the way they're using Ayuk. Ayuk has basically become like the number one guy in the red zone. Yep. And uh, Steve Young had an awesome observation on KM- KMBR this week that I thought was really cool. Basically, he said what the 49ers are doing is they're having Debo, uh, not Debo, they're having Ayuk and other guys run routes that take so long to develop that they are not meant to be a first read. For example, that first touchdown to Ayuk, the first read is McCaffrey coming out of the backfield, and then Jimmy goes to Debo for the second read. Uh, Not Debo, excuse me, Ayuk for the second read, but Ayuk's route takes so long, his route, like he's not even ready for the ball until Jimmy Garoppolo would be looking to him for the second read. And so what Steve Young was saying is it's basically like, it's almost like a check down, except it's not a check down. It's in the end zone for a touchdown. That's friggin' amazing yeah
1: Kyle Shanahan is starting to put it together with all these pieces which maybe we were being a little too impatient or we're giving him too much credit because it was against the Cardinals and he finally put together a game but I understand how it can be hard to utilize all these players and I think he did it correctly last week I was saying the Cardinals are so bad at tackling and allowing yards after contact, allowing yards after the catch. And he was destroying him in that way, get the ball into these guys' hands sure, and let them do their work afterwards. Even with Debo, I know it was a rush, but it's still the same type of thing. Mm-hmm. They're really bad at tackling. And it has a lot to do with the effort that team puts in. Imagine being a Cardinals fan right now, <laughs> I, would you want to be, is there a team that you wouldn't want to be a, a fan of more, maybe the Browns with their situation?
0: But, but yeah,
1: like at least that team tries, you know, right. And trying. with the Cardinals,
0: you just re upped Cliff, you just re upped Kyler, you, you just re up Kime, your GM. Like, yeah, that's that's not good. You but just th- have a
1: bunch of guys that don't give a crap when you care so much, like as a fan. Like, that sucks.
0: That's kind of that's kind of like who the Cardinals have been for most of their existence. I hate to break it to people, but uh, no, but I agree. First half, Kittle three catches, McCaffrey five catches, 10 targets between them. That was exactly who the Niners needed to to target against Arizona because they couldn't stop running backs out of the backfield and they couldn't stop tight ends. I like to see Kyle attack where they were weakest with good players, not with Ray, Ray McLeod, you know, not with Ross Dwelly, with the actual superstars that you have on the team. uh, I hope that they can do that against the Saints. That
1: was the best part of that game. We saw nothing about Ray, Ray McLeod. Yep. That was, that's what we want to see. Please. You have too many weapons to ever target Ray, Ray McLeod.
0: I agree. I, it's absurd to me that like he should get maybe one target. Maybe it should come like late in the fourth quarter when the game is a blowout. Like you just, yeah. the defense is happy when you target those guys. That's why that drives me crazy because it's like, if the defense could pick who you would throw to, they would pick Jawan Jennings and they would pick Ray Ray McLeod. So stop <laughs> doing that.
1: Yeah. And it's not like, Oh, these, all these guys are covered. Like, no, they can't be you. They cannot be, you have too right. many options. They cannot all be covered, figure it out. Uh, but they did. I, I don't want to, this is not the week to crap on the 49ers because they looked fantastic all around. Mm-hmm. I do. I am. I want them to utilize Debo differently. You don't need to use him in this role. There's no reason to, you have another guy that already can play that role. Get Debo who is so talented Deeper down the field. I'm not saying super deep, but go back to what you're doing last year with him. When you get him a little bit farther down the field, there is no reason to be using him like the Cardinals are using Greg Dortch. So they're not <laughs> the same right. players. There's no reason for it. Let's go. They're just you paid Debo too, so right. Stop using him as if he's not an extremely talented receiver.
0: And just to refresh people's memory, because I think sometimes we forget, Debo last year, the beginning of the year, week one, nine catches, 189 yards, a touchdown, six catches, 93 yards, five catches, 52 yards, eight catches, 156 yards, two touchdowns. He was dominating purely as a wide receiver early in the year last year. first
1: nine weeks, he was on pace for like 1,900 receiving yards. He ended with 1,400, which is still a great season, but Mm -hmm. he was destroying it as a receiver. And then they completely changed his role, which he still was great in that role as well, because he's a very talented player. I just don't think it has to be this extreme. right? I I really don't get why they've completely diminished his role to just being these short routes.
0: And maybe some people are saying, maybe they want to keep him fresh for the playoffs. I have no idea. I don't know
1: how that keeps you fresh. You're just like, I, I think that would, Get you hit more, right? If you're closer to the line of scrimmage.
0: Well, that's what I keep saying. Let him break tackles of defensive backs instead of having to break linebackers and defensive linemen on these shorter plays. And I hope they do that. Debo had 819 yards the first seven games of the season last year, and he was averaging 18.6 yards per catch. That is incredible. So he's capable of it, and I hope they do it. Um, And I look. I mean, if they're going to score 38 points a game, I guess I'm not going to worry about it too much, but it's just, it goes back to what we're talking about. Like your advantage is having a guy like Debo, a guy like Kittle, impressive athletes that can make plays. So use it. If you don't give him the ball, then it's like, he's not on the team. You know, it's only an advantage if you give him the ball down the field.
1: And maybe I'm just not remembering correctly, but I feel like last year they used him at like crossing routes so much, a little bit deeper down the field, like intermediate. Hmm. And once you get him over the middle and you hit him in stride, like dude's gone. And (laughs) I I don't see them using him in that way anymore. And I I think they really should bring that back where he's just crossing over middle, hit him in stride and no one's going to tackle that man.
0: I mean you saw it against the the first game of the Rams right before halftime he catches that pass and just breaks four tackles and runs for a touchdown um and maybe they'll get that going you know well, I mean has... this
1: is good news right they scored 38 points last week right. and we still have like okay well you're not using everybody like as well as you could be that's good right we still have I mean what eight games left this season right. seven so there's still a lot of the season left plus the playoffs so they're already a scary offense And they could be even more scary if they get it all
0: going. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get to some best bets this week against New Orleans and try to win you a little bit of money. Back here on the Gold Diggers podcast. All right, Michelle, week number 12. Best bet time for the 49ers going up against the Saints. Uh, I've got some things. You've got some things. Where would you like to go first?
1: Let's start with George Kittle because last week, Love that over for him. I've actually been pretty good at hitting on the George Kittle games. I think I'm three for three on those so far.
0: You're like the George Kittle whisperer.
1: I am. But this week I'm taking the under for George Kittle. I'm going under 46 and a half receiving yards. Kittle has had three really good games and the rest kind of just disappears. So Mm -hmm. he's actually has not hit this game or hit this over and four of his How many games played this year? Eight games. So 50% of the time, he's not hitting this over. And one of the games he hit the over, it was exactly at 47. So he was (laughs) 0.5 yards over this. And I, I think Shanahan right now is figuring out like, well, as he should be, I have so many weapons, let's exploit the best matchups. And that's what he's done with Kittle. When it's a great matchup, he uses him when it's not, he doesn't and the Saints are allowing the third-fewest receiving yards per game to the tight end position this season. That's even fewer than the 49ers, and we know how good they are at covering the position. Wow. No tight end has hit 50 receiving yards against the Saints since week 11 of last season. Damn! Yes, of last season. And only one tight end has hit this over of half this season against the Saints. It was Noah Fant. He just hit the over, and it's because he had a 32-yard reception. So Kittle's going, Kittle could do that, right? That's the only way I think he hits us over though, is if he gets one of those 30 plus yard receptions. But like I said, I don't think Shanahan's going to focus on targeting Kittle in this game because the Saints can be run on, because the Saints can destroy the, uh, the Saints can get destroyed by wide receivers. Like they should be utilizing Ayuk, Debo, the running game. There's really no reason to try to force this ball to Kittle in this matchup. So uh, I'm taking the under here.
0: Yeah, I almost think like your best bet to hit the over is kind of like what happened last week, where it was sort of an off-schedule play on Kittle's first touchdown. Everybody rushed past the quarterback. Jimmy stepped up, and and Kittle is covered, but because Jimmy stepped up, the defense kind of collapsed, and that let George go down the field, and that's how he got that big play. You might have to get something outside of the structure like that if you're going to hit this over and. We know betting on the 49ers to do things outside of structure is generally not a safe bet. So I like that one for number one.
1: You know, I always sweat out those unders though. I, I know like this the- is
0: killing you to take the under. I, can I don't see like it.
1: betting the under. It's the worst watching games. I like. I guess I don't really care if Kittle, you know, if they're winning and George Kittle's doing good. Like I'll lose my bet, but I just it's just so much more fun to bet on the over. So my yeah. next two are the overs.
0: Okay. All right. all right, grandma, let's go with the overs now.
1: <laughs> How is that grandma?
0: Because you always say betting the unders is like, you know, yeah, old person, that. like lame bet.
1: Yeah, it is. All right, I'm going to go with a fun one though. Brandon Ayuk over 53 and a half receiving yards. I mean, he had 80 receiving yards in four of the pre each of the four previous games before last week. He still ended up with two touchdowns last week. So still a great game, but Like I said, Shanahan knew you could exploit the 49ers or the the Cardinals pretty much every way with the tight ends and the running back. So Ayuk wasn't as needed uh, in between the 20s. But when it comes to the Saints, very good against tight ends, not good against wide receivers. They've allowed 13 different wide receivers to hit 60 plus receiving yards in their 11 games played this year. And they're allowing the six most receiving yards to wide receivers aligned out wide this season. Now, Ayuk plays kind of everywhere, and he does go into the slot sometimes, but he's running the most routes by far on the 49ers out wide. So if you're betting on a guy to do his thing against the Saints, I'm going to bet on the guy who, A, has been targeted the most in this offense, especially at the wide receiver position, and he's just been killing it. He he looks fantastic, and I, I think this is the matchup that Shanahan should be focusing on. Get Ayuk the ball, let him do his thing, and I, I think he can – have 80 plus yards in this game. I'm sure sh- I'm shocked that it's so low at 53
0: and a half. I mean, if you just basically go off the production that he had been before last week, he was smashing this easily. He would get that in the first half. Sometimes the only thing I did wrong, last week was throw the ball at the 49ers photographer after he scored by accident. Did you see that?
1: <laughs> I don't remember that. No.
0: So he scored his first touchdown and he just chucked the ball, you know how sometimes they do, but unfortunately he nailed the 49ers receiver or uh, photographer that was in the end zone <laughs> and uh, it like ruined his touchdown celebration. He was like, Oh no, I can't believe it. And he kind of like, they met this week and he hooked him up with a bunch of merchandise and stuff. It was pretty cool.
1: I must've walked away from the TV right after he caught the ball or something. Cause I, watched him score I don't know how I missed that
0: yeah some some of us care about the 49ers and some of us don't oh, that's all Oh
1: my goodness I was I <laughs> saw the score and I must have just I don't know turned my head I don't know what happened
0: all right so Kittle under 46 and a half I yes. over 53 and a half
1: also I kind of like I you know I used to always do the longest reception I've been getting mm-hmm. away from that 22 and a half the Saints are allowing a lot of deep receptions this year, a lot of 60 plus yard receptions <laughs> as well. Ooh. So I would be plenty happy enough to take that 22.5 longest reception. Let's go. Way too low for him.
0: Yeah. And, and if he's going to get, if you think he's going to get that longest reception, then the over for yardage should be, you should yeah. definitely bet that too, because that's half the yardage essentially right there. All right. What is your third best bet?
1: All right. I'm going with 49ers over 26 and a half points scored. Now they need to do this. This is what I'm talking (laughs) about. Like I, when I take these certain bets, I don't think I'm wrong if they don't hit it. I think Kyle Shanahan is wrong for not getting them there. Like that's that's kind of, that's what, that's how I extremely feel like Kyle Shanahan needs to score 27 points on this defense. The saints are allowing the eighth most points per game in the NFL this season while playing the Falcons, the Buccaneers in week two, when they still sucked and had no offensive players, the Panthers, the Cardinals, the Raiders, the Steelers, and the Rams with Bryce Perkins in seven of their 11 games. Like those teams are not good and they're still allowing the eighth most points per game. They've allowed 20 plus points in all but one game this year against the Raiders. And when they play against good offenses, the Vikings hit this over with 28 points. The Seahawks hit this over 32 points. The Cardinals, 42 points. The Bengals, 30 points. The Ravens, 27 points, still hit the over. Good offenses or even just average ones are hitting the over. If the 49ers are going to act like and be a good offense, you need to be putting up these points against these defenses. And since adding Christian McCaffrey, they're averaging 28 and a half points per game. So they're they're doing their thing. They're top five in total yards per game, yards per play, passing yards per game, and third down percentage since week seven, since adding Christian McCaffrey. There's no reason they don't hit this over.
0: Yeah, that's surprised. It's as low as it is. We have seen the 49ers struggle, but I think that. The McCaffrey, I'm shocked at how much of a difference it has been since he has joined the team. If you had told me they were going to add a running back and it would make this much of a difference, even if you told me it was Christian McCaffrey, I don't think I would have seen this 18 points a game before McCaffrey, 28 and a half after 340 yards per game before McCaffrey, 396 after, and their third down percentage has gone from 41% to 55%. That is wild. And I agree. 26 and a half points is not too many to ask. And the question that I have asked Levin yesterday was, does McCaffrey raise the floor for this offense to where it's sort of just like middling average offensive output for them is now in that 22, 25 point per game range, as opposed to early in the year when they stunk and it was 10 to 14 points a game.
1: Yeah, I would be disappointed in them if they're putting up 20 to 22 points like that seems way too low for the amount of weapons you have on this offense. They're the most loaded offense in the NFL there. You should be putting up 25 points plus like 25 points should be the bottom against a hard defense. Right. And then 30 points should be the bottom against bad defenses, which the Saints are. So I, I, I completely agree with you. When they added Christian McCaffrey, I thought they paid too much. I understand he's a great talent, but I'm like, he's a running back. And, but I think they're using him correctly. They're using him really in a smart way, and it's helping this offense so much. So kudos to them for paying up what they did for McCaffrey, because I do think it, it changed them. It put them over the line from a team that can make the playoffs to a real Super Bowl contender when they have McCaffrey on the field.
0: And you were right, because I said last week I thought maybe Shanahan should go Elijah Mitchell early and then Christian McCaffrey late. And you said, no, I would keep sticking with McCaffrey early and then hit him with Mitchell late. And that's what the Niners did. And I thought it worked out great. They passed early with McCaffrey in the first half against the Cardinals. And then the first drive of the second half, they ran it seven times which was the same number of times they had run it in the entire first half. And a lot of those were Elijah Mitchell and they just softened the Cardinals up. They went right down the field and then uh, Debo capped it off with the 40 yard touchdown.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's really nice for McCaffrey to have an Elijah Mitchell in the backfield with him to keep him healthier. And Mitchell looks fantastic. He, he really does. He looks like a really after coming off that injury, I was a little nervous at what he would look like. He looks great. And it also will help keep Elijah Mitchell healthy as well to have CMC there because throughout his two seasons so far, Mitchell doesn't seem to be able to make it past the three games in a row. So (laughs) this is also, it's good for both guys back here to be splitting the backfield, not to be able to, you know, get tackled as many times in a game. I, I really love what they have going on right now in this offense. And if they can put it all together, they could. And what I love also, I hate, teams that are on fire to start the season, kind of like the bills. Cause you always end up dying off by the time you get to the playoffs, maybe you can get back on, but you know, who started to gel at the end of last year was the Bengals, and their offense became unstoppable. They really weren't unstoppable for the first half of the season. And then they just were on fire. If the 49ers can start doing that at the perfect time, those are the teams that make it to the super bowl.
0: And we saw the Niners get hot at the end of last year. Hopefully, they're starting to do it again this year. Yeah, I but re- they got
1: hot more as, I mean, they were a good offense, but got really hot on defense. I want to see that defense is already good. I want to see them just start destroying teams with offense. But I, I, I wanted to have one more thing about the points scored. This is 27 points, or they had to hit 27 points. That could be a defensive touchdown. And like right. I said, Andy Dalton has thrown five interceptions in two away games this year. Throw an interception in this game, and that could be a pick six. That could be anything. So.
0: Jimmy Ward is getting interceptions. That never happens <laughs> for the 49ers. Uh Hufanga may do it. I said this last week. Hufanga, once a game, at least once a game, has a play where he perfectly times the snap count. It's unreal, and if he does that against Andy Dalton, he may poop his pants, and that could lead to a fumble <laughs> or a big play and possibly a touchdown. I'm calling to right
1: now a Hufanga touchdown. It's happening Oh.
0: All right. If that happens, I'm going to be texting you feverishly. <laughs> You'll be like a friggin' uh, fortune teller. I wish they had an Elijah Mitchell rushing yards over. Cause I think I would take the over for Mitchell's rushing yards. And I think I'm going to take the under for McCaffrey. He's at 58 and a half rushing yards. He has not just purely as a rusher. He hasn't been great the past couple of weeks. He's been fantastic as a receiver.
1: You can say been- his entire career. He's not a very good in the, in between the tackles runner. He like hasn't he can, been for his whole career. He's just so dynamic every, everywhere and he's a long one. But like, if you're running him 30 plus times in a game, that's not going to be great for him.
0: No. And like, he had the big play, which was awesome. The The pitch left where Trent Williams gets out front and blocks two people on the same play. And he, uh, McCaffrey broke it for 20 yards. And that was a nice play. But other than that, he really didn't do much as a rusher. So I think I would, I'm going to go under as well and join you in that. I'll go under McCaffrey. At 58 and a half rushing yards. I just have to check real quick. Oh, wow. Do they 50 have and a
1: half? Why did I think it was? I thought it was at 38, and I was like, oh, like I was thinking about even taking it at under 38. <laughs> it's wow. 58 and a half? Yeah. Why is that so high? He's I barely do not like, know. if we think the 49ers are going to win this game pretty easily, then. It, they're not going to need McCaffrey much at the end of the game either. And they're going to be running Elijah Mitchell more. They're not going to risk McCaffrey getting injured, but eight carries, 18. Okay. 14 and seven. It's not like he's touching the ball that much as a runner and 38 car- or 38 yards, 38 yards, 39 yards in three of mm-hmm. his four games with the 49ers. Why would this then all of a sudden be at 60? What is it?
0: 58 60, and a half. I think.
1: Oh, 58 and a half. Wow.
0: The only thing I think is maybe they're assuming he might pop one because he can hit that. He can break off one explosive play. Um, But no, I would feel comfortable betting it. I have to check really quick. I don't see the Nick Bosa bet for sacks like that one week that was up there. He's absurd. And I keep saying, like, nobody's talking about him for defensive player of the year. He gets a sack every week. Michelle, he's at 10 and a half sacks already. He's missed a game and a half this year. And we just keep chipping away at that season total for over. He gets one more sack. I think that that puts him over the mark. I'll be cashing that bet, laughing all the way to the bank since I made it.
1: But we need to know what, so you're saying nobody's talking about him as defensive player of the year. How far is he down the odds list for defensive player of the year? Because he leads a league uh, in quarterback hits with 27. Only he's the only player with over 25 right now. And he missed a game. So that's even more impressive a game and a
0: half though. The other game, he only played 26 snaps in before he, before he came out.
1: The only players with 25 plus quarterback hits in their team's first 10 games since 2006 are JJ watt, TJ watt in 2020. So I guess not in 2021, his defense player of the year, but still, and then Aaron Donald in 2018, those are three really good players who have all won this award in their career. And, I just feel like it's Mika uh I always say Mika Micah Parsons year
0: to win it. I just Yeah, feel but like, like they, why are we saying that?
1: Well he I mean he has been pretty fantastic. He's been putting up a lot of sacks as well.
0: Not as many as Bosa. Yeah. The problem I don't is know. he's made I feel like it was already just decided
1: that he's just gonna win it this year. People are just like sticking with it.
0: Yep. That's Bosa Bosa's crap. not
1: exciting enough. I swear to God, if he had a more exciting <laughs> uh celebration after his sacks people would be talking about him more but so he puts up he has no emotions
0: parsons has three forced fumbles and a fumble recovered that the splash plays like that do matter bosa doesn't have any of those he's third right now in the defensive player of the year odds okay. but but parsons is parsons is minus 550 that's wow. how much of a favorite he is judon yeah. matthew judon of the patriots is well, second at plus win. 750 no. and bosa is third at plus 1,100, which if you feel like he's going to go on a run, and it's possible he does, because if the offense, like you're saying, is going to be as good as it is, that means opponents are going to have to pass. And if opponents have to pass, that's going to give both some more pass rushing opportunities. So he may get those sack numbers up, and that may push him over the edge. So it's plus 1,100 if you're feeling frisky. The cool thing for, that I've just noticed is the Niners have two other players on the list of odds for defensive player of the year. Talanoa Hufanga is plus 8,000 and Fred Warner is plus 9,000. So that just tells you how stacked the defense is for the Niners. They have three guys in there for defensive player of the year.
1: That's pretty crazy. I do think it comes down to Parsons or Bosa. Like This has been a pretty weak year for impressive defensive players. You have Aaron Donald really, I mean, is sure he might be doing other things that aren't showing up on the stat sheet, but he's not going to win it this year. TJ Watt missed half a season, so he's not going to win it. Right. And then it's a, like, I think Judon could beat the sack record, but he is on pace to like get 22 sacks this year. And he still wouldn't win because it's <laughs> Matthew Judon. <laughs> like, yeah. I, he would have to do so much to beat out Parsons or Bosa that I just, I don't see a world they give it to Matthew Judon. So I think right now it's between Parsons and Bosa, and clearly it's not very close in the eyes of Vegas because the odds are so far apart, and it goes from first to third, which is crazy that they're that far apart of the odds. But then you look at the rest of the players, and you're like, Chris Jones? He's not going to win it. Max Crosby? Those are fourth and fifth guys in the odds. Quinn and Williams? Like, no. And Miles Gary is the most overrated defensive player (laughs) in the entire world. Like you're talking about right now, this would have been the perfect year. You have a down year for Aaron Donald. You have TJ Watt miss half the season. And you're telling me you still can't be top six in defensive player, the uh, defensive player of the year odds. God, he's so overrated.
0: (laughs) Hufonga has better odds than Aaron Donald to win the award. How crazy is that? That is wild. Um, But I mean, Aaron Donald's had a run where he was the best defensive player in their league by far for like his entire career pretty much up until this year. So I'm not going to, you
1: think McVeigh and Donald retire after this year?
0: I thought about that. Honestly, and Stafford. here's the thing with McVeigh: He can make just as much, if not more money as a broadcaster for way less stress, way less working hours, way less everything. And so that's the temptation. It's not just like, do I want to coach or not coach? It's the fact that I, essentially you you sort of get like all the benefits of being an NFL head coach and none of the negatives. And like that would be tempting for anybody, especially when you're him and you're like, I already have my Super Bowl ring. Yeah. I think it's going to be a thing for the Rams for the next few years. Plus, if there's also this say, this like idea of like, hey, we've got this core, but we're sort of mortgaging the future for this present roster and when that goes away when that era ends kind of like the Saints maybe he's just like all right I'm done I'm not I'm not here for a rebuild
1: are they do they have the core right now to do it again with Aaron Donald aging I guess they still they just really have to fix that offensive line that would be key and then they'd probably be a fine team but I don't get why anybody would want to be an NFL head coach It seems like the worst, it seems like the worst (laughs) job in the world. Like, I don't know why anybody would want it. And you can make so much money going over to be a TV analyst. He already has the fame of being such a good coach. And like you Mm -hmm. said, the super bowl, if I were him, I would be running away from that team and going. and, but like, don't you want to hang out with your family? I am such a homebody and I want to be with my family. Like, I don't get wanting like spending a hundred plus hours away from the house.
0: Because you're well adjusted, these guys are not well adjusted, Michelle. You can't be as good as McVay is as a coach and be well adjusted. That is the price of greatness.
1: I don't get who they're married to. I would never, I would never marry an NFL head coach. Well, for many reasons, but (laughs) (laughs) one being the gender. But also, I would be. I would like. Don't you like your spouse? Don't you want to hang out with them? Like, imagine just never hanging out with them. That would be so sad.
0: It's they're not like us. He he can't stop himself. You hear the way he like rattles off these plays. Shanahan's the same way. But the difference between McVay and Shanahan is Kyle's a lifer. Kyle will die on the sidelines. McVay is not that guy. Shanahan has no interest in being an analyst. None. He hates the media. He I don't even think he likes the fans that much, to be honest with you. That's just not his. He is going to coach like. He could conceivably be the coach or the Niners for another 20 years.
1: Well, then he'll look like he's 90 because right now yeah. he looks like he's 60. And That's looks like true. <laughs> All
0: right. I think we have covered the odds. I think we have covered the game. Um, I, it would be a massive, massive letdown. If the 49ers were to lose this game, win this game, handle your business, keep, telling everybody that you are the team that we talk about when we talk about scary teams in the NFC I've got diehard Cowboys fans telling me they are terrified of the 49ers right that is that's the fear you want to keep instilling in everybody else in the league if you win you go to seven and four and I was really kind of pissed that the Vikings won yesterday because I was hoping I think that the two seed is not out of the question for the 49ers and in in order for that to happen they're going to need the Vikings to lose some games but I think it's if you're a Niner fan right now, I don't think it's unrealistic to say you could make the 2 seed in the NFC.
1: No, it's definitely not. And yeah, that would have been really nice if the Vikings would have lost because yep. that would have put them one game behind. I I mean, looking at who can make though the uh wild card teams at like you have to face the giants yes please <laughs> yes right. please if it's the commanders or even the seahawks like i'll take any of those the the wild card teams like you just don't want to be the fourth seed because then you're facing either dallas or the eagles which i wouldn't want to do i think i think the 49ers could handle the cowboys or probably even the eagles but like that's just not where you want to be so Definitely stay ahead of the Buccaneers. That's the most important. Get these wins because you don't want to face whatever team ends up not winning the NFC East.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to... I fear no team in the NFC. I admit that the Cowboys and the Eagles games would be tougher. Those would be the tougher opponents the Niners could face. But I've seen the Niners go into Dallas and punk them and shove them around. You could talk like, oh, they're better this year, whatever. Okay. But here's the truth. The Niners are the team that Dallas Cowboys want to be. They want to be the big bad bully. The Niners are those guys. So, yeah, Dallas is good, but I'm not quaking in my boots over anybody in the NFC, and that includes Philly. Bring it on, Jalen Hurts.
1: <laughs> I will say I just can't believe the Giants are probably going to be a playoff team. Like, I don't know how they even stayed in that game yesterday with the yeah. Cowboys. Like, they are somehow a better team than we give them credit for, and I don't understand it. They have nothing. <laughs> they have <laughs> nobody I don't get it I don't get even how their offense is scoring because it's not even like Barkley's been going off lately I don't get it but you know good for the Giants good for them
0: yeah, yeah their wins are not exactly I mean they beat Tennessee but it was week one they beat the Panthers they beat the Bears they beat the Packers they beat the Ravens they beat the Jaguars they the lost was a good win. Yeah, okay. They lost to the Seahawks. They beat the Texans. They lost to the Lions. They lost to the Cowboys. The best team that they've beaten is who? The Ravens? And they're inconsistent at best.
1: True, true. I will say, if Hufanga scores a defensive touchdown, I'm bringing a White Claw on the podcast next week because I feel Ooh. like I deserve it. All we right. record at 11 in the morning my time, but I don't care. I don't care. I'll drink a White Claw.
0: That's dedication to the pod. Look, we've eaten mayonnaise at eleven o'clock in the morning. You could drink a white claw at eleven. Oh
1: yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm in easily. I just I'm acting
0: like I'm not an alcoholic over here. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. It's all Hufanga's fault. That's yeah. why I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy the rest of your Friday, everybody. Again, after the game, Niners Nation Instant Reaction podcast on the Niners Nation Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook pages. Also, my Twitch page at Stats on Fire. I'm blown up on Twitch, Michelle. If you haven't subscribed yet. What are you waiting for? Love it. A lot of international fans on Twitch, which is really cool. We really appreciate it because some of those instant reactions are at some crazy times and people are hopping in. So if you're up at 3 a.m., come join us. It's going to be a ton of fun. Good luck to your Steelers this week as well, Michelle. How are you feeling about them now that TJ's back?
1: Just keep losing. I want an early draft (laughs) pick. Let's go.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. We've been there as 49er fans. We should be happy that we're not still in those dark days. We'll talk to you next week, everybody.
1: Bye, y'all.